The sermon preached at St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota, a member of the Wells, on March 1, 2015, based on Genesis 28, verses 10 through 17. The first lesson is from Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 through 17. We see Jacob going through a time of suffering and the Lord's promises lifting him up. These words will also serve as the sermon text. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. This is the word of our Lord. Please stand. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The word from God through which the Holy Spirit draws us to our Savior is the first lesson from Genesis chapter 28 that you heard read earlier, the account of Jacob at Bethel. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints, washed clean in the blood of our risen Savior. Jacob was a sly one. In fact, even as he was born, he was trying to get ahead of his twin brother Esau. Even as he was born, he was grabbing on to Esau's heel as if trying to pull Esau back so that he, Jacob, could be the firstborn instead of his brother. In fact, the name Jacob means heel grabber, and he lived up to that name. But that is not the way a child of God lives. And so the Lord trained Jacob. He trained Jacob for his heavenly home. And the Lord does the same for you and me, dear friends. He trains us for our heavenly home. Otherwise, we too would be grabbing on to what this earth has to offer, anchored to this world. So our Lord trains us for our heavenly home. How does he do that? By bringing home to us our helplessness, as he did for Jacob, and by bringing home to us his promises, also as he did for Jacob. 
And so he trains us for our heavenly home. Now, Jacob wasn't feeling all that clever anymore as he lay down that night at Bethel. You see, he had made a big mess of everything. Oh, he and his brother Esau had never really gotten along. They were just too different. But this time, Jacob had gone too far. Their father, Isaac, was planning on giving Esau the blessing, the family blessing. And so he had sent Esau out to hunt the wild game and prepare it for that special meal. Their mother, Rebecca, overheard Isaac's plan, and she wanted Jacob to have the blessing. And so she gets Jacob to trick their father. You see, Isaac, in his old age, had gone blind. He couldn't see the difference anymore. And now here was a clever plan. Rebecca would prepare two young goats to taste just like the wild game that Esau would be bringing in. She had Jacob dress up in Esau's clothing so that he would smell like the outdoors, and she even used the skin of the goat to cover Jacob's hand and, and, and neck so that he would be hairy to the touch just like his brother. And, and don't think of Jacob as a, a little boy here or a teenager who had to do what his mommy said. No, Jacob was a grown man, and he went along with this all. This must have seemed like a clever plan to him. His only objection was, what if I get caught? I'll bring down a curse on myself instead. And when his mother said, well, let the curse fall on me, Jacob was all for it. What a clever plan. He tricked his father. He tricked his father and got the blessing. He finally had tripped up his brother Esau and got in ahead of him. But Esau was enraged. And he carried that grudge and planned to kill Jacob as soon as their father died. When Rebekah learns of this, she figures it's safest to send Jacob far away. And so she convinces Isaac to send Jacob over 450 miles away, back to where she had originally come from, the area of Padan Aram, to the city of Haran, where her brother was still living. And there, Jacob could find a wife instead of marrying the unbelieving Canaanites in that area like Esau did. And so Jacob left. He left the only home he had ever known to go to an uncle he had never met. He left with nothing much more than the clothes on his back and a walking stick in his hand. And by the time we meet him here in the text, in the town, or by, by the town of Bethel, which at that time was still called Luz. He had already been on the road probably for three days, plenty of time to think about the mess he had made. Fearful, with his hopes shattered, feeling so alone, he lay down for another night out in the open. Could even God be with him after what he had done? Have you had nights like that, dear friends? Nights where the loneliness just echoes through the silence? Tomorrow's worries drive sleep from your eyes? 
guilt haunts whatever rest you do get. The future feels so bleak, even hopeless, what's the point? But do you see what the Lord is doing for Jacob in all of this? He's training Jacob. He's training Jacob by bringing home to him just how useless and helpless all his cleverness and ingenuity has left him. Yes, look at where Jacob's cleverness has gotten him. Whatever earthly prosperity or security he had hoped to gain by getting the blessing was now apparently long gone. Whatever comfort or security or assurance he could have had from family, especially his mother, was now miles away and getting ever more distant. He had no one and nothing. The Lord was training him, bringing home to him how helpless, how helpless he was, how helpless holding on to all these earthly things left him. Now, what is it that you and I hold on to? Do we hold on to that relationship with a special person whom we think we just can't live without? Do you hold on to your your family who gives you purpose and comfort and assurance? What do you hold on to? Do you hold on to having a good job so that you can secure your future? Do you hold on to your your abilities and gifts and and, and talents that can get you through the difficult stuff in life? Do we hold on to having something in reserve, a nest egg, or or some sort of insurance just in case something bad happens, we got something to fall back on to? Do we hold on to our stuff as a way to show that we've made it in life, so that we feel like a success? What do you hold on to? Now, all of these things, relationships, family, work, abilities, money and stuff even, all of these can be blessings from God. But here is the soul-searching question that we each need to ask ourselves. Am I, are you, holding on to these things more than you are holding on to Jesus? And it's, so easy for us to fail to see just how much we hold on to these earthly things. It's so easy for us to, to think that we're really holding on to Jesus, but no, it's, it's really these things instead. And we don't realize it until those things are, are taken away. And then when we feel that loss, that heartache, that helplessness, then we begin to realize just how much we were holding on to them. If we hadn't been holding on to them so tightly, then we wouldn't have minded so much that God had taken them away. We wouldn't have complained or worried about it. But you see how our hurt just emphasizes how much we had been holding on to those things and actually needed God to take them away so that he could bring home to us our helplessness. For you see, that's how he begins training us for heaven. He wants us to see that all these things that we like to hold on to in this life 
can't bring us to heaven and can't make this earth into a heaven for us, no matter what kind of happiness we may find in them for the present. He trains us for heaven by showing us our helplessness so that we don't hold on to the earthly. That's what he was doing for Jacob there. That's what he does for you and me. But he did not, does not leave us, dear friends. He does not leave us floundering in our helplessness, no. Rather, that is just the way he prepares us, prepares us so that we are ready to hold on to something much better. Because, you see, he wants to bring home to us his promises, just as he did for Jacob here. As Jacob lay down for that night in Bethel, who knows what kind of worries must have gone through his mind. Would even God still be with him? For after what he had done, he deserved God to cut him off entirely. But notice the Lord's great love and grace and mercy. That night, Jacob sees a stairway, a stairway established on the earth and reaching up to heaven. And look, angels are ascending and descending. Jacob's prayers and pleas are rising to God, and God's help is coming down to him. And look, there at the top, God himself is standing, and he speaks to Jacob. He says to Jacob that night and speaks his promises. He says... I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. The Lord was making his promises here. Yes, Jacob did not deserve these promises, but the Lord wants to assure him that even though he is so alone right now, he will have many descendants. Even though he is fleeing from this land, yet his descendants will inherit this land. And what's more, as the Lord goes on here, he speaks the greatest promise of all, that through Jacob, the Savior, the Savior who would crush Satan's head, the Savior who would be a blessing for all peoples, the Savior would come through Jacob's family line. He says, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. And as the Lord brings home to Jacob his promises, he's not only assuring Jacob about the distant future, but also about the present. The Lord would be with him. As the Lord goes on here and says, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. The Lord trains Jacob for heaven by bringing home his promises. Well, that's fine for Jacob, someone might say. But when was the last time God talked to any of us in a dream? Jacob could have heard God himself like that. But dear friends, we have something much better than what Jacob had. Just think of it. If God would speak to one of us in a dream, would we really know 
that that was God speaking? Or would we wonder whether we imagined it? And how long would we have to wait before God would speak to us again? As far as we know, the Lord did not speak to Jacob again for another 20 years. No, dear friends, we have something much better than Jacob had. We have God's written word. The Bible is how he brings his promises home to you and to me. We don't have to wonder whether we heard God right. We can go back and look at it and read it in black and white. We have the scriptures. And we don't have to wait another 20 years to learn what else the Lord has to say because the Bible is available for us every day. And best of all, the Bible, his written word, brings to you and to me the one who alone is the stairway to heaven. Jesus came from heaven, sent by the Father. His death on the cross reconciled the world to God, opening up heaven. And his resurrection brings eternal life to all who believe. Jesus is that stairway. He is the way, the only way to heaven. No one comes to the Father except through him. And to you who follow him in faith, to you he says, and I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. John 14. Jesus is that stairway to heaven. The Bible brings us that prom that, those promises close to our hearts. And what's more, in the Lord's Supper today, Jesus himself comes to you with his body and blood and says, yes, I am your stairway. Here is a foretaste of the heavenly feast that I have prepared for you. What a way that the Lord brings home to us his promises. Now that night at Bethel, was not the end of Jacob's training. Yes, the future would bring the Lord's blessings, but it also would bring more heartaches and even greater pains. And so also, dear friends, as long as we are on this earth, the Lord is continuing to train us for our heavenly home, to train us by bringing home to us our helplessness so that we don't hold on to the earthly and instead as he brings home his promises to us, we can hold on to them all the more tightly. So, dear friends, let go of the earthly. For none of what this world offers can prepare us for our heavenly home. Let go of the earthly. For you see, the more that we see this life as a desert drear, the more eager we are for heaven. The greater our loss here on this earth, the more we anticipate what heaven will bring to us. The heavier the cross that we carry, the more we look forward to the glory that awaits us. And so, dear friends, let go of the earthly. Hold on to the Lord's promises. Sing with the hymn writer, 
Gold and earthly fame and treasure come, disaster, scorn, and pain. In your service pain is pleasure, with your favor loss is gain. I have called you, Abba, Father, you my all in all shall be. Storms may howl and clouds may gather, all must work for good to me. Haste, my soul, from grace to glory, armed by faith and winged by prayer. All but heaven is transitory, God's own hand shall guide you there. Soon shall land this earthly story, swift shall pass the pilgrim days. Hope soon changed to heavenly glory, faith to sight and a prayer to praise. Yes, God's training you for your heavenly home. Keep grabbing on to his promises until you get there. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.